It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 933 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome into the Virtual Bible Study. We're glad you're a part of it. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, February twelfth, two thousand and nine. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight on the Virtual Bible Study, and hope that uh, we've got. Uh, a topic and a subject that will be in, uh, informative and helpful to those who are listening. We want your participation, as always. We do want your participation, and we also would like your feedback. We're trying a new video on the live stream tonight. If you're joining us live, uh, there is a new option for you to watch the video right from our webpage, collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We just added that video feature, and we'd like your feedback on it. If you would click the play button on that video, you'll begin to see us. And you'll also see at the top of the screw of the video there an option for you to vote in our poll. Do you like the new video? Does it work better than the video that you're accustomed to? Or uh, should we go back to what we had last week? We'd like to hear from you on that. And this also will give us the opportunity to allow you to just listen to the video or to the audio if you are on a slow connection and have had trouble with the audio and video together. Now you can just listen to the audio if you'll click the listen button so we've got two streams for you to choose from tonight and you may be better off just not watching us at all maybe it uh, upsets your stomach right after dinner so we have that video that audio feature there for you so you don't I'm already have... getting somebody says the new video is grainy grainy yeah well all right maybe we need to go back to the uh, to the old we'll, well try it we'll and see, try it. see it, didn't, it didn't hurt it was worth a try We'd like to hear from you on the program about a more important subject, and that is the Bible. We're talking about the Bible on this program as well as all virtual Bible study programs, thus the name. We want to hear from you on the program tonight at 877-381-4567 or email your questions or comments to questions at collegeview.com. We have a subject tonight that uh, people have told us they don't understand the subject. Don't necessarily understand. i got a couple emails, one from Indiana and one from Missouri, where regular listeners said, I'm not sure what you're talking about there. Please explain. So here's the question that we sent out earlier today. This was the suggestion for our discussion tonight. We want to discuss the the sponsoring church arrangement. And I ask these questions. Number one, what are some specific examples of the sponsoring church arrangement that you know of among congregations today? And then, so give me some examples that you're aware of. Secondly, If you believe the sponsoring church arrangement is scriptural, give your best arguments in defense. Or if you believe the sponsoring church arrangement is unscriptural, uh, give your best arguments against it. So we want to talk about the sponsoring church arrangement, Jacob, and we want to to know if it's a scriptural thing or not. We can give some, and some of our listeners have already provided some examples. We can give some other examples of, of what this arrangement is. But before we do that, Jacob, maybe we should talk a little bit about Bible authority and how we establish Bible authority. I think it would be important to do that because, you know, it is important that we do things the right way. We're doing this, uh, we are interested in doing things the right way because we know the fallacy of doing things according to our wisdom. Man's wisdom has always led him astray. It is not in our own uh, way to direct our steps. We're not capable of doing that. We need God's instruction, God's guidance on how we should conduct ourselves in our personal lives And also in our corporate lives together as Christians in the church, we need to know how God would have us to direct our ways. Bible authority is basically how do we know what God wants us to do and how he wants us to do it and how do we determine that? By the way, Jacob, get an email now that says that the volume needs to be pushed a little bit. Can you push that volume a little harder? I raised it a little bit, so we'll see how that goes. So okay. if, if, maybe they can give us some more feedback. Is the volume better now? We just uh, we I tried to increase it. It's, it is acting a little bit different tonight on the volume, so we'll have to work on that. Okay. Um, 
We have we have studied in the past Bible authority on the virtual Bible study, and it's a really important subject. I mean, it really pertains to everything that we do in our service toward God. We have to know what he wants, and we have to know how he wants us to do it. When we talk about worship, why do, why do we worship one way and not another? Well, we... We answer that question by going to the Bible and finding out there what it teaches concerning how God wants us to worship. And so Bible authority is really important. And as we've studied this before on the virtual Bible study, we have suggested there are three principal ways to de- to to develop or understand Bible authority. One is when the Bible just comes straight out and tells us to do something, either do this or don't do this. A direct command or statement is the very easiest way to establish authority. The Bible uses such statements. Um, in, in in Romans uh, um, chapter ten, it says, "Thou shalt not kill." That, that's a that's a direct statement. Uh, so we know what we're supposed to do when we get those kind of statements. That's very easy. A second way is by approved example. When we see inspired people of the first century who were guided by the Holy Spirit, and and we see how they did things, they establish an approved example. The, the Apostle Paul said um, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. He said, what you saw me do, you do that too. And so he was, just, he was there showing that his example, the example, of, approved example of inspired people uh, is a way that we know what God wants us to do. So we got direct commander statement, approved example, and then a third way, which really is is determined simply by the logic of the matter, is what we call inescapable conclusion or necessary inference. For instance, when when verses like Hebrews 10.25 tell us that we're supposed to worship, then what's implied in the command of worship is that there must necessarily be an appointed place for such worships. And so, and, and we need to set in a time for the assembly. That's how we would say it's acceptable for us to determine time. Uh, and that's that's logical reasoning there and reasoning that we can deduce from the, the Christians in the New Testament did that as well. We see them doing that in Acts chapter 11. They deduce that the Gentiles were accepted based upon the things that God had left them with the unavoidable conclusion that they had to de- then determine we should allow the Gentiles to be Christians. Yeah. So those are the ways that we do it. So any any, any subject we're going to address uh, we have to be able to go to the Bible and find Bible authority and apply it to get the answer to what we should be doing. Now, some will no doubt say that it's it's picky, though, when you say you've got to have Bible authority for all that you do and demand that we go back in our personal lives that we have Bible authority. But also, in more particular, people say that if you demand that we have Bible authority in our corporate lives as Christians. In no, our, you're talking about what we do as a congregation. If if we have to have Bible authority for all that we do, that, that is being picky. How do you how do you answer that? Well, I, I, I that's sort of arbitrary to say that's to say that to make that accusation. Uh, what I know is what Colossians three seventeen says: Whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father by Him. Colossians three seventeen says we're supposed to demand authority, have authority for everything we do and teach. So. Uh, and, and, and it, it it may sound picky, but if if we don't do this, then we throw the barn door open. Exactly right. If we if we if we allow the first thing to be done that is not authorized in the Bible, then we've actually started down a road that has no end. We could if the first thing is allowed, then nothing really can be uh, excluded. Everything will be able to come. And the first apostasy always looks good. Sure. Each in each progressive step from the step from the position we are now looks reasonable, looks acceptable. But then when you turn around and see how far you've gone, then you can really see that you're not following the pattern at all. Exactly. And these kind of things start with someone saying, "Well, it's not a big deal. It doesn't really matter. It seems like a good idea. In fact, it looks better this way." Then we take that step, and when we're at that position, then we can make the next step and the next step, and then we end up with something that looks like the Catholic Church or looks like some of the denominations in the world today where they've even thrown the Bible out uh, and say that it's no longer from God. Yeah. So we gotta, we've got to make sure that we have Bible authority for everything we do. I mean, it, 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 the, the Bible tells us to do that. 
And common sense tells us that it's a necessary thing to do. And it's not our preference. We may prefer something else. Yeah. But we just are committed to the principle that we're going to have Bible authority for all that we do, and that prevents all of the error that we see in the religious world. And, and you see some religious groups that have actually gone way – I mean, they're way out there. They're doing all kinds of things that are not found in the Bible. And a lot of people would say, well, I wouldn't go that far. Well – why not? I mean, if you can go one step beyond what the Bible authorizes, why can't you go 100 steps or 100 miles? we got to stop it right at the, at the limit of Bible authority. We must insist for Bible, of, for Bible authority for all we do. And Jesus wants us all to be one. In John chapter 17, verse 21, he wants all of his believers, all of his followers to be one. And the only way that we can be one is by demanding that we follow the biblical pattern. We'll never be one if we follow our think-sos or what I think is the best way. The only way that we're going to be united is by committing ourselves to an absolute and firm standard, and that standard has to be God's Word. If we'll do that, then we can have religious unity in the world today. Exactly right. First Peter chapter 4, verse 11 says, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. So if we're going to, if we're going to take a stand, we've got to take it the stand at what the Bible teaches. Yeah, you know, it, if if we go to what I like, what I prefer, what my opinion is, well, my opinion is no better than yours or anybody else's. Why should we? Why should anybody listen to us? If we're free to do as we please or what seems best to us, then then there will be no unity. The basis for unity is to all speak the same thing and do the same thing. This is what Paul told to the church at uh, Corinth in First Corinthians chapter one. In verse 10, he said, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. We're all to speak the same thing. And therefore, the only thing that we can speak is the Bible. We go beyond that. We're not going to be speaking the same things. The number to call is 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. We will remind you. You know, this is somewhat disturbing to me. There are about 50% of the people that have chosen not to look at us tonight. <laughs> that, that, may be a, that, that may be an indication. That, we may, that may tell us something. But uh, we'd like to hear from you if you are watching us tonight on the video. And if you're not and you'd like to see us, uh, don't know why you would, but if you'd like to see us, you go to thevirtualbiblestudy.com where you click to listen to the program. Just below that, you may have to scroll down and you'll see a a place for you to push a play button. You'll be able to watch the video. And there's a poll at the top of the of the video screen. Uh, you click on that, and it will ask you, do you like this new video format? We'd like and to hear from it, you. I'd like to know if it's steady or if it's if it's cutting in and out. Yeah. Uh, let us know. If you've got a slow Internet connection, you probably want to click on the button to just listen. Or if you have a weak constitution. Or, yeah, if, if you're afraid you might get uh, an upset stomach by looking at the video, you might want to just listen. But seriously, if you if you have a high-speed Internet connection, you ought to be able to watch the video that's embedded there on our page. If you're at a slower connection, just click on the button to listen. So we've got two options there. We want to see how that works. It, it may not work any better than what we were doing, or it may be better. Let us know what your thinks-so's are on that. Um, Jacob, we were we were asked to describe what we're talking about when, uh, concerning the sponsoring church. Let's do that, but, but let's go to a break first, and when we come back, let's get into this subject matter. All right. Stay tuned. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The Virtual Bible Study continues after this announcement. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks it. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the Virtual Bible Study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the Virtual Bible Study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. Hello, my name is Kent Bumgardner. My family and I love to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. Please join us. Use your Internet connection for something good. Listen to the Virtual Bible Study every week. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We're glad you're part of it. Maybe you have found us for the first time on our video stream, and you can find out more about what we believe, what we practice, by visiting our website, collegeview.com, or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. You saw it on your screen 
during the break. We're talking about the need for Bible authority on the program tonight. We want to make a specific application to that in the way that our the church operates financially. Right. That's right. We're talking. We, we want to investigate this question of the sponsoring church arrangement. And I know from the, some of the emails we received that not everybody who's listening to the program understands that terminology. One person said uh, the the uh, term sponsoring church arrangement must be a term that churches of Christ have coined. I'm not familiar with the term. On tonight's show, you might want to start by describing what it is. I can't answer the questions because I'm unfamiliar with the term. So I think that that's probably right. I think likely that that is a term that that we have come up with. And so let's take a minute to try and describe that. I'm going to take my headphones off. Jake, if you're getting me another mic here, I'm just going to use the board back here. Yeah, you should tell me these things before the program so I can get you ready. But you're you're live now. Am I up? You're up. All right. If we were to talk about the sponsoring church arrangement, what we're talking about is a church that decides on some specific work that they want to do. Uh, it, it may be uh, preaching the gospel in in some place or some places. It may be uh, to uh, edify the saints. Uh, because we know that that's a work of the church, or it may be some act of benevolence. We've talked before about church benevolence, and uh, we know that the church has a role in benevolence. We're not going to get into that tonight. We believe it's a, a rather limited role, but we do have – these are the three general areas of work for so churches. we're not going to talk about whether or not the church could um, put on a rodeo or have a – No, we massive, could talk about that. But we've talked about that on other yeah. shows. This is a, We're going to assume that the work that they want to do is authorized. Yeah, we're going to, for our purposes tonight, we're going to assume that this work is an authorized work. Most often it is this work right here, preaching the gospel, some mission, some effort, some, some big endeavor. I'm going to give some examples here in a minute. But this, this sponsoring church, we're going to identify this as the sponsoring church. What happens is this job, this particular undertaking that they have is bigger than they're able to accomplish with their, with their own resources of income. And so what they do then is that they solicit other churches to contribute to them. They, the, the elders of this sponsoring church become the sponsoring eldership or the overseeing eldership of this big undertaking that they have uh, conceived to take on. And so what they do is they contact other churches and they ask them to send some money to them so that they can do this big work. And they effectively oversee the doing of it. These churches contribute money, and these elders oversee this specific uh, described undertaking. Now, these elders then decide where the money will go. Uh, they decide what preachers might be supported. Uh, maybe they uh, oversee the, the purchasing of some books or Bibles and distributions of them. Uh, maybe there's some printing or, or publishing, or maybe there's, uh, maybe there's, uh, some kind of a TV or radio undertaking that they want to, that they want to do. And, but, but these elders, upon having received contributions from other churches, place themselves in the oversight of that job, and they make the decisions about how the money will be spent and distributed. That's typically what we mean. When we talk about the sponsoring church arrangement. Now, there are good things on that screen. Churches using their money to preach is a good thing. Preachers preaching, books being bought, printing, television and radio, Internet radio. Those are good things. We're not arguing with those things. We don't have any problem with any of these outcomes. The, The word should be preached. Books can be distributed to those who need to be taught. Uh, printing of various kinds of publications that help spread the word, that's a good thing. We believe that TV and radio and newspaper are good things, the, b- means of getting the word out. But now the we, we think that the organization on that screen is faulty. You know, you have the, the letters SC at the top of that circle. We could take that off and put Catholic Church. And I, as I understand the Catholic Church, it follows this same... The same well, structure, it, doesn't it? Well, uh, far more developed. But it, it, in but, effect, but, the same, the well, same let's, structure. We'll talk about it. I think this could lead to that. I'm not saying this is the same thing at all as the Catholic Church. Not at all. But I believe that it 
that it would be a step that would begin to lead to that direction. I think it would be a mistake to say that this is the equivalent of the Catholic Church, no, I'm but not it saying is that. a step but that they, would lead to that kind of hierarchy of church government. Certainly, because those individual parishes in the Catholic Church are sending their money to the Vatican, and then the Vatican then decides how the money will be spent. Yeah. Which microphone am I on here, Jacob? You can be on your old microphone there. Okay. All right. All right. Now, let me give you some examples of this kind of a thing. Let me... Let me explain what we're describing because, as we said, there were some people who said they didn't know what we were talking about, and some people may not understand the kind of thing that we're objecting to because we are objecting to the sponsoring church arrangement. And here's some examples of the kind of things that we're objecting to. I have here uh, uh, some literature that was sent out, uh, and it was back in the 90s. uh, In August of 1991, it says, this church, uh, it is the Maple Hill Church of Christ in Lebanon, Tennessee. In 1991, we began advertising through the new newspaper USA Today. They were wanting to put an ad in USA Today every week, and it was going to cost them $208,000 for one year to put an ad in USA Today. And, the, and in the literature they sent out, they said, will you help? No single congregation could support this effort on its own, nor should it. The advantages are to all congregations nationwide. It will give God's people national exposure in the mainstream media. The Maple Hill Church of Christ in Levin, Tennessee, is sponsoring this effort. So think about what they were trying to do. They were trying to get congregations, not just three or four, but congregations all over the United States, to contribute money to them so that they could oversee the placing of it was a specific undertaking, the placing of ads in the USA Today newspaper. They admitted that it was beyond the scope of their own ability to do this, but other congregations they felt should help. But they, of course, were going to be in the, in, in the position to make decisions about the content of those ads, uh, about the timing and the size of those ads. And so they were in the, de- they were in the decision that this, this Maple Hill Church of Christ in Lebanon, Tennessee, was putting themselves in a position to collect and oversee the funds from these other churches. All right, that's one example. Uh, here's an example about uh, uh, an organization, a church is still conducting this work. Uh, the Memphis School of Preaching, the important work of training preachers. The Memphis School of Preaching is the work of the Knight Arnold Church of Christ and is under the oversight of the elders of the Knight Arnold Church of Christ. However, the magnitude of the work is such that no one congregation has the finances to carry on this great work alone. Although Knight Arnold puts more than $300,000 per year into the operation of the school, it simply does not have the financial ability to carry the load of the school alone. Therefore, other faithful congregations assist in this work in a financial way. So in this case, it was the training of preachers. We don't think there's any, there certainly is a noble work to train preachers, to teach people, to teach others. Uh, that, there's nothing wrong with that. But here this Knight Arnold Church of Christ in Memphis is undertaking to do this and asking other congregations to send them money so that they could make decisions about how this school will be operated. Obviously, they're making decisions about uh, how to pay their preachers, how to how to give scholarships to the students who may attend and so forth. Lots of decisions that are going to be then undertaken in the oversight of the money contributed by churches to the Knight Arnold Church in Memphis uh, as a sponsoring church. Have one here from, uh, uh, this is the, the Christian Student Center at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. Uh, it says the Christian Student Center reflects the concern of the Churches of Christ for students at the University of Tennessee. It is part of the vital campus ministry for Christ, which is sponsored by the Laurel Church of Christ under the oversight of its elders, uh, uh, under the oversight of the elders of this local congregation. We are calling upon congregations across the state of Tennessee to respond to the urgent need. So uh, the elders at the Laurel Congregation in Knoxville were asking churches all over the state of Tennessee to send them money so that they could oversee the operation of the uh, student center, the Christian Student Center at the University of Tennessee. Uh, uh, there's one another such thing. This is In Search of God's Way, a television program. Uh, it is the television ministry of the Edmund Church of Christ in Edmond, Oklahoma, but they're asking churches from all over to send them money. Think about the decisions they will be making. 
which radio and TV stations to be on, which preachers to, to put on, which topics to be taught and, and so forth. They'd be overseeing that. Here's, an, here's one from real close to us here, uh, Marshall County, where we are here in Tennessee. Some of you will know in Middle Tennessee, we're in Murray County, Tennessee. The, the county to our east is Marshall County. Every summer they put on a county tent meeting, and this is advertising the annual Marshall County tent meeting. It is an effort of the Churches of Christ throughout Marshall County, and it's under the oversight of the Church Street Church of Christ. So here's one church. They admit it's the work of all the churches, but the elders of one church are overseeing the work of all the churches in Marshall County who contribute to that annual tent meeting. And we could just go. I've got I've got lots of these kind of things. Maybe that's maybe it's overkill to keep reporting that. But what we're saying is that this sort of an arrangement, the elders of the sponsoring church undertake to oversee a job admittedly bigger than they could undertake on their own. It's a job bigger than they could accomplish in their own local congregation. So what they do is they get contributing churches to send them money. So the contributing churches send them money and and by doing so submit to, in, in regards to this work, they submit to the oversight of the elders of the sponsoring church who then oversee a work admittedly by their own words Bigger than they're able to undertake on their own. Now, maybe you should explain that more. How do, how are they submitting to these elders when they send money to that church? Well, they they actually surrender the oversight of their funds. In other words, we're saying that when they send that money, they have told they have effectively. I don't suppose they sign a contract, but they've effectively said to the elders of the sponsoring church, "We want you to oversee this. We want you to oversee the use of this money." in the doing of this particular uh, work that you have undertaken to do. So they surrender the oversight of that money, and the elders of the sponsoring church assume the oversight of that to the doing of the work. Okay. All right. Well, we're getting close to another break. We'll take this week's bullet point, and we'll take your comments on the other side. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Hopefully that explanation helps you to understand what we're talking about tonight. Now, during the break... You can take your, the time to let us know what you think about it. If you were unclear about the topic before, now you understand what we're talking about. Do you think that is a good arrangement? you think it's a bad arrangement? you think it's scriptural or unscriptural? Do you think it is a problem or it really doesn't matter? We'll let you comment during the break, and we'll take your thoughts on the other side. We also will remind you about the poll, about our video there. If you're listening to the audio-only version of our broadcast tonight the video is available on our website thevirtualbiblestudy.com there is a video link down at the bottom you just push the play button and you can watch it on our homepage. we'd like to hear from you do you like the video do you not click on that poll at the top of the video and we'll let you can let us know what you think about that and let us know your thoughts we, on the subject tonight we should also mention since this is a free commercial service that we're using there they're going to put up some ads some banner ads across the bottom there that we don't have anything to do with and we might make that disclaimer, Jacob, because something might pop up there that we would absolutely not be in favor of. So we, we don't have anything to do with those ads that are floating across the bottom of the screen. All right. It is a free service that we're taking advantage of. 877-381-4567. Questions at college. we got a no on the video. Somebody doesn't like the video. Well, but so far, that's the first one? Yeah, that's the first one. Twenty. Okay. Yeah, so okay. We'll let, let it keep the votes coming in. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. From time to time, as we listen to sermons or attend Bible classes, something will be said with which we disagree. What should we do when this happens? First, be sure that you properly understood what was said. It might be that you simply didn't hear what the other person was saying. Changing a single word can sometimes drastically alter the meaning of a sentence. Also, expressions taken out of context can lead to conclusions that were never intended. Take notes. Re-listen to the sermon on tape. Study the scriptures that were referenced in the lesson. Many potential problems will be resolved in this way. Additionally, give the benefit of the doubt to your brother who is doing the teaching. According to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5, love demands this. Do not automatically assume the worst. If questions linger, it's best to go directly to the one who has done the teaching. Too often we complain or criticize to others, but never to the one who supposedly made the error. This is simply not right. Wait for a good opportunity 
And by the way, right after the lesson in front of other people is usually not the best time. Or maybe even better, set up an appointment. Calmly discuss your concerns with the man face-to-face. If we do this, the vast majority of misunderstandings will be quickly settled. Finally, in the few cases where the matter is not remedied by these initial steps, it will be necessary to press the matter further. If error has been taught, we cannot remain quiet. We must oppose and expose the false teaching, according to Galatians chapter 2, verse 5, and verses 11 through 13. But even in this type of situation, we should be careful to conduct ourselves in a way that will make it easy for the erring brother to acknowledge his mistake and make correction. Disagreements are certain to arise. Let's be sure we handle all such situations properly as we endeavor to, quote, keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, Ephesians 4, verse 3. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, my name is Zach Coleman, and when I'm listening to the virtual Bible study, I love to hear comments from other listeners. So please join in tonight's discussion by sending an email or by making a phone call. The address is questions at collegeview.com, and the phone number is toll-free, 877-381-4567. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. We're talking about the sponsoring church arrangement, and you see a, uh, you saw a graphic of what we're talking about during the break on the board behind us. We're talking about the uh, setup that many churches are using where they send their money to another church and allow that church to make decisions about how the money will be used. So we uh, are questioning that. We ask the question, is that according to the biblical pattern? Is it acceptable for one church to send money or, or multiple churches to send money to another church, allow that church then to decide how the money will be used? In other words, as you uh, outlined for us before the break, we allow that church to determine how our money will be spent. They will administer the work that we should be doing ourselves. We're going to hand over that ability to them. Yeah. I think that that's one of the, of, of the big problems with the sponsoring church arrangement. Let, let's, let's start this way. We, we, at the beginning of the program, Jacob, we said we've got to have authority for everything we do. So I guess the bottom line objection, let's start with the bottom line first. The bottom line is there's not authority for a sponsoring church. We can't read any command that would authorize it. We don't have any example of that kind of work being done by New Testament churches. And there's nothing that would infer that it is the right thing to do. It's not a necessary conclusion. So we'd have to determine that it's it's unauthorized by the Scriptures. Yeah, if it's, it's not a question. We like it. Could we do good things with it? Certainly, we could probably do some very good things with this arrangement. Yeah, it's but it's not, not it's not authorized. Uh, right, and as one of our emailers said, we can't use an end justifies the means approach. So we're not arguing that the end work is good work. We're not arguing that at all. Uh, we'd be willing to concede that there are good works being done in this manner. The question is, is it an authorized methodology to get that work done? And I'm I'm of the conclusion, based upon my study of the matter, that we can't find in the New Testament authority for approaching the work of churches this way. No command, no approved example, and certainly there's no necessary inference or inescapable conclusion that would lead to that kind of an arrangement. So that's first. But secondly, and I think this is the point that I hope everybody can understand, is that there's a violation here of the autonomy and independence of local churches. Um, this is, this those, are, is, those are $5 religious words, though. Well, not necessarily, but they're $5 words. Explain what you're talking about when you talk about independence and autonomy. Okay, the word autonomous, here's a, here's a dictionary definition of autonomous. Independent in government, self-governing, also without outside control. Existing independently. That's what Webster says autonomous means. And that's what we believe that local churches are supposed to be. We believe that there is no authority for a hierarchy of church government, that that each church should be independent and autonomous, that is, self-governing. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1, notice what, what Paul said when he was addressing the church at Philippi. If I can get my 
fingers to work here. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. There's the sum total of organization of Churches of Christ. Churches of Christ are organized at the local level. They have elders, deacons, and saints, and there is no other authority for organization among churches. There is no higher organization among churches. Um, I actually think that we can understand why God in his wisdom would make it that way. When when we observe the autonomy and independence of congregations, then that there are safeguards against apostasy. Uh, one congregation may get off track and they may go off into error, but since they do not have any organic ties to any other churches, then although that's a bad thing, it doesn't infect all other congregations who are associated through some hierarchy of church organization. And so this this autonomy and independence of local churches is an important principle, and I think we see the wisdom of God in designing it that way. Now, that's what you that, – but again, it doesn't matter that we can understand it or not. That is a benefit that we see to it, but right. that's not – it doesn't matter. That's right. That's that, that's just reasoning. That's just that, that's human just reasoning. Human reasoning as to why God, in His wisdom, might have chosen to make okay. it that way. But the big key here is that this arrangement, as we've charted it out on the board, does not recognize um, the limitations divinely placed on elders. We know that local elders are authorized only to oversee the churches that where they are. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, uh, when Paul was speaking to the elders of the church at Ephesus, he said, Acts 20, 28, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost have made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. The church at Ephesus was overseen by their own elders, and those elders had responsibility there, but not beyond there. This is best stated, I think, in 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning verse 1. First Peter chapter 5, verse 1, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock, and so on it goes. The elders were charged to take the oversight of the flock which is among you. So these these statements would would limit elders to oversee their own local work. Now, I want you to look back at the chart on the board, and and I hope you would be able to see almost immediately that the sponsoring church elders are violating that principle. They are overseeing something bigger than their own local congregation. Some of these uh, examples that we cited earlier, they specifically admitted that this work was far too large for any single congregation to undertake. For instance, this church that wanted to put ads in USA Today uh, for a whole year, they said no single congregation could support this effort on its own, nor should it. So they admit it's a bigger work than a single local congregation could undertake to do. So in saying that, and several of these examples we cited said similar things, in saying that, they're acknowledging we want to do a bigger thing. We want to oversee something bigger than our own local congregation. So the sponsoring church elders assume an oversight bigger than they're authorized to have. But I want to also point out that the churches that contribute to the sponsoring church are giving up oversight of some element of their work. Uh, and and in doing maybe that, maybe it's the foreign evangelism element of their work, right. and maybe it's maybe it's the benevolent portion of their work. They're not they're not over over that anymore. They've handed that off for someone else to do. Let's say that the that the contribution, the weekly contribution of this congregation was a thousand dollars, and of that total thousand dollars, they had agreed to send a hundred dollars a week to the sponsoring church. Well they have given up one they have given up the oversight of one tenth of the work that that or at least in regards to how money represents the work they're doing. I don't think that money represents all the work that elders do. But they've obviously given up 10% of the oversight of the of the financial resources of this church. This church has given that up, and the church, sponsoring church elders have assumed it. Now, here's the question that is asked, and I've never really heard a, a satisfactory answer. What if this What if this church had a week, average weekly contribution of $1,000? 
A lot of people say, well, it's okay for them to send 100 Usually what they send is more on the order of 10 It's okay for them to send $10. It's only $10 out of 1000 to the to the sponsoring church. Could they send it all? In other words, if, if they can surrender a part of their oversight to this church, in other words, everybody says, I think it's okay if they send 10 I don't see a problem with them giving up the oversight of $10 of their money to the sponsoring church eldership. Well, if they can give up $10 of their oversight, could they just every week when they get their contribution, just put it in an envelope and send it to the sponsoring church and let them oversee it all? And, and, and the, the follow-up question is, if not, why not? If they couldn't send it all and let the sponsoring church eldership oversee the spending of all their money, then why can they give up part of it and let the sponsoring church elders have oversight over a part of their money? I think it's a question that has to be addressed. Okay, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Let us know your thoughts on the arrangement that we're talking about. We want to hear from you on the program tonight. Uh, you know, Dad, I think the, 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 the key verses are the ones that you mentioned. First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, and Acts chapter 20, verse 28. It tells the elders there that they're responsible for their work of the local congregation. And as you said, as you've pointed out, when they ask for money from other congregations, they are taking on that a portion of the work of those other churches. And I don't see how we could say that they are taking oversight of the flock that is among them. It's obvious by their own admission, it's a work larger than their own congregational work. And so they are by in their own words, they have confessed that they are overseeing something bigger than the work of their own local congregation. That's unscriptural. That's just bottom line. It's unscriptural. There's no authority for it. It's a violation of the of. The, the scriptures. We can get into all the other arguments about how it leads to other things and how it is, if we followed the history of the progression of apostasy from the first century church, it would lead to things similar to this, where churches began to cooperate, where region-wide bishops were appointed, and so on. Something else we, we might point out is that some of the reasoning here is that well, if we're going to do a big job, if we're going to have ads in USA Today, or if we're going to put on, be able to put on a nationwide TV program, for instance, we need to be working at that level, and we can't do it. One congregation could never do that. And so since that needs to be done, we're going to have to come up with some arrangement like this that allows it to be done since it's too big to be done by any one church. And I just think that's faulty reasoning. If a local congregation is not able to undertake a work, then it's not a work God uh, expects them to do. It, our responsibility is to do what we can within the bounds of what God has authorized us to do. If it's a work, in other words, the, the church here at College View, although we put on this, this uh, Internet program, we certainly couldn't put on a TV program on stations all over the United States. There's just no way we could do that. Well, that being the case, then God doesn't expect us to do that. We are not, we don't, responsibility is a combination of opportunity and ability. And so we don't have the ability to do that. Therefore, we're not responsible to do that. God never expects us to do more than what we're capable of doing. And we believe the scriptures have equipped us to every good work. And so if it's something that we need to be doing, we can find authority for it in the scriptures if we shouldn't be doing it, uh, then God has not revealed it to us in the scriptures, and we can leave that off. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Let us hear from you on the sponsoring church arrangement. We'll go ahead and take our last break a couple of minutes early, and that will give us a little bit longer segment as we go to the top of the hour for your comments. I don't believe we've gotten into any of our comments along the lines of our yeah. topic tonight. We've got a lot of those that we need to get to, and we'd like to hear from you. The phone line is open. 877-381-4567. The email is open, questions at collegeview.com. The video stream is up and running. You can check that out on our website, or you can check out the audio stream. If you are watching the video, click on the poll. Let us know if it's better or is it worse than the previous arrangement. We'll take a break and be back on the other side. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. 
Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great, I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd, but don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. You just might find it is easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College U Church of Christ. My name is Rick Harris, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. I hope you'll join me and many others in this weekly Internet Bible study group. Be sure to listen every Thursday night. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. If you're joining our stream uh, and watching our video, you may want to check out our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. There you go. We'll look forward to hearing from you if you have any questions or comments about... Also, give us... We're asking for feedback about our new audio... Our video link, our new video link tonight. So let us know what you think about that. We need to... We're we're in our last segment, Jake, and we haven't even got to some of our emails. We need to get these emails. We've got one from Jim in Mount Pleasant. He says some examples of sponsoring church arrangement. He says... uh, it typically happens when a natural disaster like Katrina, one congregation has asked many others to send them funds so that they can direct those funds to churches in the area of the disaster. The requesting congregation is then the sponsor of these funds. Uh, the funds are sent to them, and they in turn determine how much and where the funds are sent. Back in the 1990s, a congregation in Cookville, Tennessee, established a program called One Nation Under God, where they solicited funds from many congregations with the intent of sending out a comic book sort of thing across the United States to teach the gospel. Uh, it ended up being a small insert in the Reader's Digest, I believe. Uh, Wade in Hampshire, Tennessee. Oh, 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 mentioned- one, one comment to, to uh, Jim's here. Let's just say that this isn't acceptable. How do we how do we deal with them making the decisions? How do we know? How do is it? Do we just are we free of our responsibility if we give the money to this church and then they? Use the money in unscriptural ways. Are oh. we freed from our obligation then if we handed it over to this and what sponsor? If, and if it, even if it wasn't unscriptural, what if it was just a bad stewardship? You know, maybe they just made bad decisions. Not necessarily. Are we not responsible? If you know, something to think about. Uh, Wade in Hampshire, Tennessee, also mentions the One Nation Under God campaign and, and the Herald of Truth, which was another one overseen by a church in Abilene, Texas, a big nationwide radio and TV ministry overseen by, I believe, the Highland Street Church in Abilene, Texas. Those are those are a couple of good examples. Now, quickly, Jim says, what's wrong with the – he he's, uh, believes it's an unscriptural arrangement. He says the scriptures are clear. Funds are to be sent directly to saints, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. Funds are to be collected only for saints, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. Uh, nor are they to be sent to one congregation to be distributed to another congregation, nor can one congregation have oversight of another. And he mentions the passage in 1 Peter 5, verse 2, elders could only have oversight of the flock where they are members. It's a matter of autonomy. Autonomy must be surrendered when sponsoring church arrangement is in play, and thus it becomes an unscriptural arrangement. Um, he says the churches in Macedonia and Caia sent their funds directly to the saints in Judea. Paul in Romans 15 talks about his plans to go to Spain, but he says in verse 25, but now I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints for it pleased those from Macedonia and Caia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints which are at Jerusalem. Where did the money go? Churches of Macedonia and Achaia sent to the elders in Jerusalem. It's the scriptural arrangement. By the way, in that arrangement, Paul was nothing more than a courier. Paul was simply courier, not So what Jim is referencing there is that we do have examples of churches doing their work in the New Testament, and we see them doing it directly, not through another church. Certainly they could have done that. Paul was connected with a lot of different churches. He could have said, you send your money to this church and let them uh, how it's going to be spent. But he didn't do that. Yeah, let, let me, real quickly, let me see if I can give a little graphic here of how churches in the New Testament did their work. When there was a preacher, churches sent directly to the preacher. And so that, that was the biblical pattern. In regards to preachers, there, was, there wasn't a, a sponsoring church or an intermediating body. There was none of that. The churches sent directly to the preacher in receipt of the funds. We have example of that. We have example of Paul receiving funds that way when he was... Uh, pre- on his missionary journeys, we, we don't have any example of him doing it any other way. We, 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 in other words, we we do not have. Here, here's what we don't have an example of: churches sending to a sponsoring church that then sent money maybe to Paul or to other evangelists, 
uh, who were doing the work. Wait, can, so, you, can you see that? Yeah, okay. we're having to get creative we, with we, our we, video. We don't have that. We don't have that. What we have instead is, is in the matters of evangelism, we have churches, Philippians 4.15, Paul mentions churches, plural, who supported him in the preaching of the gospel. So here was Paul, and he had churches in direct contact and support to him. That's the biblical pattern for evangelism. Somebody said, well, why does it have to be that way? Well, that's a matter of Bible we don't authority. Know. We don't have to know why. We know that that's the way it was done. If we do it that way, we know it's right. We don't. We don't have to know the benefits of doing it this way. We don't have to know the uh, the negatives of doing it the other way. We just know that that's how they did it. If we want to follow the example, we will do it that way. Now, in matters of benevolence, we have a different pattern. And here we had, in for instance, the last verses of Acts chapter eleven. We had churches that sent directly to to the needy saints in, in Judea. This was sent to the elders of the needy church. And so here we did have churches sending to other churches, but that's when there was a unique and specific need in the receiving church. This was benevolence, not preaching. There's a different pattern for benevolence than there is for preaching. In preaching, the money was always sent directly to the preacher, to the one doing the work. In benevolence, the money was sent from churches to the church where the need existed, where they had a specific and unique need. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. We're going to have to hurry to get through uh, the emails. We can still take yours, so send it in. Let me get to Wade's email. Uh, He says, why are sponsoring church arrangements wrong? When I think of sponsoring arrangements, I think of a local congregation giving their money to other congregation or organization, giving the power to put the money where they see the need. However, the local church may earmark the money. Really, they have no authority of how it is used once it leaves their hand. It takes away the authority of the elders. They relinquish their authority to the organization the money is sent to. Then he says this can be really likened to a missionary society. Uh, actually, it's not a missionary society. The sponsoring church arrangement, now these are my own words, not right. The sponsoring church arrangement was put in place because conscientious brethren understood that the missionary society, a separate organization doing the work of the church, was unscriptural. So they knew they couldn't do it by a sponsoring, by a uh, missionary society approach. And so the missionary society was not used, but the sponsoring church arrangement was put in there in its stead. It, to accommodate the doing of a bigger job, but with with the uh, uh, thinking that it would be okay as long as it was under the oversight of a of an eldership of a church. So, okay. uh, uh, and I think that's what he goes on to say here. The missionary society is not a word that many people know in the church. I grew up in a church that, that an institutional church that I don't ever remember hearing of the missionary society. When I started asking questions to the preachers, they would say, we don't believe in the missionary society. So I started really studying. Most people don't know this, but if they do their research, they will find that David Lipscomb and Talbert Fanning started the gospel advocate for the purposes of defeating the missionary society. I don't really guess it matters what David Lipscomb or Talbert Fanning thought, though it matters what the word of God teaches. The sponsoring church arrangement is wrong for the exact same reasons as the missionary society is wrong. Not exactly the same reasons, but some of the same reasons. There's no Bible authority, or no Bible example of churches giving money to one another in the matter of spreading the gospel. God does not demand more than what uh, we can do as a local church. I suspect the greatest missionary work, missionary work that has ever been done was done in the first century. And they, that's a good point, Wade. They didn't use the sponsoring church arrangement, and there's been no greater time of spreading the gospel than in the first century. All right. Well, I appreciate those comments from Wade and from Jim. Uh, real quickly, we're going to run out of time. We got an email, a longer email from Anthony in Columbia who says, uh, he says it's unfortunate that this issue has divided the church, though I suppose uh, not this issue alone, but a collection of similar issues. I think that's right, and it, it certainly is unfortunate. Uh, he goes on to say, we need to be careful about drawing lines of fellowship or labeling a particular congregation as unsound. I agree. Those are serious charges. We should be careful. When I think of this, it seems arbitrary to me that for many people, a church that participates in a sponsoring arrangement is considered liberal or unsound. I'm not sure I understand why this or similar issues are used to draw lines, but other issues are not. It's, I suppose it's because these issues regard the actions of a congregation as a whole, whereas other issues are considered personal, for instance, the head covering. I think that's exactly it. I think we have to, when it comes to what we're going to do with uh, the 
contributions of the church, we've got to be in agreement. We can't we can't have uh, differences of personal conscience or opinion in something that involves the collective action of the local congregation. We're going to have to have agreement about that. Uh, he says, I wonder why. I wonder. There are some brethren that consider it unscriptural to offer the Lord's Supper twice on the Lord's Day. This is a congregational action decision, but folks who object to it are content to look the other way. They don't brand that church as unsound. Some do. Uh, he says, why not? I know some that do. I think because these debates around church cooperation in the mid-20th century were really about dueling personalities within the church, people began to pick sides, and the result was what we have today. These issues of cooperation were not around in the early days of the Restoration, from what I understand. It really, it wasn't really about the issues. As a result, we have these seemingly arbitrary issues dividing the church. Again, we need to be very careful when dividing the body of Christ. Uh I do think that there were some personalities involved in in the divisions that occurred in the 50s and 60s. And there were probably some actions that were... On both sides. I don't dispute that at all. But the question is, are these issues of substance? We're not asking who has taken these sides in the past, who are the principal players who took a side one way or the other. I don't really don't care. And back to the restoration movement, the missionary society wasn't an issue. It was. It was an issue. Alexander the Cam- Alexander Campbell actually was wrong on the missionary society question. Right. Right. The, 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 the missionary. They, yeah. They weren't. They were. Oh, they weren't all fighting against the missionary society back then. That's something that came in later, where they right. began as the people began to think about what they were doing and questioning the authority for it. Right. He says, he, uh, his email goes on to say, the sponsoring church arrangement, as I know it, is very simple and unmysterious. Here's how it works. A man decides he wants to go to a given mission field and preach the word. The elders of this man's home congregation agree to fund this man's efforts, but they can only supply part of his need. The missionary then visits other congregations and garners their financial support after convincing the elders that he is worthy. Each congregation's elders make the specific decision to support the man. Purely as a matter of convenience, these helper congregations agree to send their monthly support, that is a check, to the man's home congregation which pools the funds and then sends the total amount to the preacher. Each individual congregation then gets reports from the missionary and can decide on their own whether to continue or discontinue their support. The churches are not abdicating any decision-making to the sponsoring church. That's not exactly the way it works. That's really not. Uh, These examples that we gave earlier are what we're talking about when we object to the sponsoring church arrangement. Let's say a preacher is going to some hard-to-reach place. Mail just doesn't get there well. And so, of course, I don't think that's as much of an issue these days. We've got a lot of electronic fund transfer capabilities and so forth. But let's say we were in the time when the only way to get money to a person was to send it by courier or by mail. And so this guy's off in some distant place, and two churches here nearby are trying to get money to him. And so they say, hey, we've got, we've got, a, we've got $100 that we need to get to Joe. And the other church says, we've got $100 we need to get to him too. Let's put it in one envelope and give it one, to one courier and let him carry it to him. I don't have any problem with that. I don't know anybody that would have a problem with that. And there is no loss of oversight, or and there's no assuming of, of additional oversight in that. We're not objecting to that sort of arrangement. So that that is not exactly what we're talking about when we're talking we're about We're saying we want to spend $100 or we want to spend $1,000 in evangelism. We don't know the preachers that need it, so we'll send it to XYZ Church, and they have all kinds of leads on who needs it. We'll let them decide. Exactly right. Where the money is spent. How and they, spent. And when they surrender, they are then, in fact, surrendering oversight when they send the money to XYZ congregation, and the XYZ congregation is undertaking an oversight of a work admittedly bigger than their own. That's what we're objecting to. It is clearly a violation of New Testament autonomy of local congregation. He says the best argument that is simply is uh, the best argument is concerning the sponsoring church that it is an authorized practice. One of the church's missions is to spread the word. We know this is done in part by sending preachers. Preachers are worthy of being paid for their work. There's no single binding example of how this is to be done. Therefore, we are to use whatever expedient means necessary as long as it does not contradict another clear Bible teaching or principle. I think it does. I think the sponsoring church arrangement, as we have described it tonight, does violate the Bible principle of local church autonomy. The only argument I've heard against the sponsoring church arrangement, uh, as I've described it, is that the individual contributing congregations are giving up their autonomy, but this is simply not the case. It is the case in the kind of things that we're talking about. Maybe not in the example. In in the example that Anthony gave, I don't think they were giving up autonomy. I don't know that I would object to that. We're objecting to the sponsoring church arrangement as we've described it in our in our discussion tonight. Uh, the changing of hands of money does not constitute a forfeiture of autonomy. I, uh, Paul took money from the churches of Macedonia, Achaia, to deliver to Jerusalem in Acts or excuse me Romans fifteen twenty six. How's this different? Paul was only a courier there; he wasn't an overseer. 
replace Paul in the equation with the eldership of the sponsoring church, and you have the same thing. Not exactly. Paul was only a courier. The elders of the sponsoring church are overseers, and they even say that. This work is under the oversight of such and such a church. Uh, so there is oversight. He, he's, he's saying, uh, he goes on and concludes, we're out of time. Uh, he says, this is not a matter that involves salvation. It actually makes it easier to spread the gospel. Why does, why then such division? Well, the division has resulted because conscientious brethren see it as a violation of Bible authority. And as we said at the outset, we have to have Bible authority for all we do. It's the only way we can be united. Thank you, Anthony. appreciate those good and comments. you've got several other emails there that we're not going to have time to get to, but we do appreciate uh, the listeners for their contribution. We'll consider your emails, and we may have comments for them at another time. But uh, I think... Now we've got we got, got several more yep. emails, so we're right. not going to be able to get to Well, them. we appreciate you listening to the program tonight, Dad. Thank you for your thoughts. And this is a controversial subject. People will disagree with what they've heard tonight, and we don't want you to disagree and get mad and go away. We want you to disagree and have discussion with us about your disagreement. And maybe if we get enough feedback after the program tonight, we may want to cover this additionally in a, in a subsequent program. Again, it matters what we do and how we do it. Colossians 3.17, whatever we do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Giving thanks to God and the Father by him. We've got to do everything that we do with authority. It, it may seem good to us, but if we can't have authority for it, we can't do it. Exactly right. All right. Thank you for your time tonight. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your participation. We hope you'll make plans to be back here for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study, this time next week. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.